Hey there, Angel Donovan here with episode 59 of Dating Skills Podcast. Today we're looking at being satisfied with your dating lifestyle and relationships with women in general. Sometimes we find ourselves chasing things in life that don't make us any happier. Other times we take an approach to reaching a goal that has the opposite effect of what we want. Today is really about fundamentals, basic principles and ideas that you need to get right if you want to not only get results, but more importantly, to be satisfied once you get the results that you wanted. I brought on the show today a guest who has a very straightforward approach to this subject. It's both simple and practical, which is always good. Today's guest is Christy Hartman, PhD, psychologist and behavioral scientist. She has studied behaviors and scenarios of online dating and dating from both genetic and more psychological perspectives. A professor at the University of Colorado Health Sciences Center for seven years, in 2012, she left this position to focus on her role as a dating expert, among other things. She is the author of five books on dating and relationships for both men and women, so she brings a balanced perspective from having looked at both sides. To get the interview transcript, links to resources, people, and everything else is mentioned on the show, and the MP3 download of the interview, go to datingskillsreview.com DSP59. I'm Angel Donovan, and this is the Dating Skills Podcast. This is a 14-year ongoing mission to discover the truth about what works in dating, sex, and relationships, to become a better man. Join me as I leave no stone unturned, chase down every expert, role model, and mentor with insights to get us to that goal as fast as possible. This show is about bringing you the best of that information so that you can take it in and change your life for the better, step-by-step, episode-by-episode. But you've been doing this dating stuff for quite a while. Yes, I've been doing this for many, many years now. Yeah, so this is your passion, your big personal interest, or do you have some others as well? Oh, I have some others as well. I wish it were that simple, but (laughs) this is definitely one of them for sure. So much to fit in in life, huh? Yeah, it's a good sign. It's a good sign. <laughs> so when we start this, we always like to get a bit of a background on the person. Like, what's their dating life like? What are their relationships like? How are they organized? What kind of lifestyle do they have with that respect? So where are they coming from? So what is your dating life like? It is married. Great, great. That's good to hear. How long have you been married? I've been married. We've been married three years together, six now. Oh, nice. Have you got any kids yet? Uh, no, no kids. I'm in my 40s. So. Uh, oh, yeah, that makes sense. My sister just had one recently. She was just on the edge. So it was kind of like a last minute decision. Okay. So that's quite late to get into a relationship. Is there some context for that? Were you still learning for your life or um, about dating and and relationships? Or what would you say? Why did you take this decision to get married at a later stage? I um, was actually married once before. So um, you have a pretty long and colorful dating history. But I was uh, single all through my 20s. I married when I was 34. And that didn't last that long. We were only together a few years. And then I was single again in my late 30s. And then I met Chris and got married. So, yeah, I've been around the block. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to hear a bit of experience. So one of the things I pulled out of your book, Changing the Game, uh, which is for guys, is attitudes and standards. So that's and also like how that leads to satisfaction for men with women. So 
I want to focus the discussion more on like what actually gets a guy satisfied at the end of the day, not just like a short-term result, but he's going to be happy with where he's going and really satisfied with this kind of life. What would you say the most common male behavior is leading to dissatisfaction with dating and women in general? I think that probably the number one is the negative attitude. And that's a tough one because bad experiences can lead to a bad attitude, but it works the other way as well. Bad attitude can actually lead to more bad experiences because when you go into any situation with a bad attitude, usually will guarantee failure because people can pick up on that negative energy. And when you have a negative attitude about women or about dating or about life in general, you kind of come off as somebody who is unhappy or who isn't successful or who is just going to be difficult to live with. So you tend to scare people away. And so I would say that's probably by far the number one thing that concerns me about any single person, male or female. If they're doing that, they're not going to succeed. And if we're going to give some concrete examples, what are the the typical things they would be saying to themselves, I guess, or other indicators that you have a negative attitude? Um, Generally, I hear uh, men saying things like women don't like nice guys. They only date jerks. I've heard that a lot. Um, There are women out there who date jerks. And for some reason, those guys are focusing only on those women and not all the other ones sitting around waiting for nice guys to come around. Online dating is a big one. And I understand online dating is a huge challenge, especially for men. Um, That can really spawn a negative attitude. And I hear things like women don't ever respond. They only go for certain types of guys. Women are shallow or they're impossible or they're difficult or they're, um, even if you go to like attractive women, the more attractive a woman is, the more she'll play games with you, the more manipulative she is. Just a lot of kind of negative beliefs that you've developed from bad experiences. Right. That's a very specific belief there that it's attractive women that play games. It is. And I've seen it a lot in various forums and with some men that um, the the better looking they are, the more game they're going to be because they can. I'm going to go out on a limb here and maybe part of what that is, is they're thinking of maybe a typical guy. He's thinking of the hot girl in the club environment where he's likely to meet more girls that are like partying a lot. They got a very active social life. And I think you do tend to get a bit more, people will be less straightforward in those kind of environments. And so maybe he's thinking of the typical hot girl he's seen all with all her makeup and all the nice clothes on. She's all dolled up out in the nightclub. So that's what his picture in his mind is when he's thinking of that hot girl. Um, And maybe that's where it's coming from. What do you think? I think that's certainly a possibility, especially in that environment. I think part of it is just the simple law of supply and demand. There are fewer really attractive women and they have, they're in greater demand. To some extent, you just have to compete for them if that's what your goal is, is to get a really, really good looking woman. And if, you know, and she knows she has options and she rejects you, it's going to feel like she's playing games when in fact, she's just not interested. Yeah. And she's got to have some kind of filter. She'd have tens of guys around her all day. That makes sense. So you mentioned also online dating as a specific scenario. What did you mean by that exactly? In terms of... um, The men have more problems and and tend to have more of a bad attitude coming from that area? I think that online dating is hard for everybody, but I think it's especially hard for men because they will send out lots of emails to women and get nothing, they get no responses. That's extremely frustrating because... It seems like a lack of feedback. To some extent, it actually is feedback. No information is still information. But when you get nobody replying to you, especially if you're not really shooting way, way, way out of your sphere, it's like, what the hell am I doing wrong? Why is this happening? It's like you have negative experiences where you do 
meet women and then they, they're they're flaky or they're, they don't respond in an appropriate manner, then that's frustrating too. But I think just the lack of response is really frustrating for men. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it was kind of crazy. We've spoken about online dating in previous episodes and I gave an example of one girl I met in San Diego who she opened her box three days after opening her account. She hadn't looked at it and it was like 1,300 emails in there. So wow. yes, she didn't see your your email. She didn't <laughs> even get a chance to see it. She just closed it and like, I give up. <laughs> but you can understand if a guy sends out 100 emails or maybe just 10 or 20 and he gets no response, he's going to get pretty uh, frustrated with that. Absolutely. Yeah. But if he understands what reality is, then hopefully he shouldn't because um, she didn't even see it most probably. Yeah. And that's where expectations come in. You know, I tell men that that's actually relatively normal for most men to send out emails and get nothing. They get 10% response. It's like, all right, that's good. 10%, you know. You say in your book, a bad attitude will scare good women away and attract the very women you hope to avoid. What do you mean by that? I hate to get into all that law of attraction stuff because it's so hippy dippy. But um, I think that when you have a negative attitude, people can pick up on it. They pick up on it through your body language. They pick up on it through your, your expressions, the things you say. And women like attracts like. This is kind of a thing in, in human behavior that people who are, are happy and comfortable with themselves will typically attract people who are the same way. So if you have a negative attitude, you're going to tend to attract women who are the same way because they see something in you that reminds them of themselves. And that's not what you want because usually guys with bad attitudes are kind of looking for the opposite. They're looking for somebody that's positive and cool and, and who will give them hope. And unfortunately, those are the women who often get scared away. Right. It sounds like it's kind of a comfort thing because if you meet someone who's similar to you, it may not be your, the kind of person you're being attracted to, a more, more negative person. People with the same attitudes. Uh, I don't know if you know much about mirror neurons. I do not. Uh, well, it's this, this big body language thing you're talking about, right? Mirror neurons are where we reflect back oh, yeah. you know, what we see in the other person. Oh, right? yeah, of course. Yeah. It's all about that. It's the science behind the, how the body language works. Yeah. And if that person feels more comfortable with you, then they're more likely to hang out with you. So it might be, say, a guy who's got a negative attitude, it might be easier for him to meet girls with a negative, similar attitude, because the girls are going to feel more comfortable with him just because of this kind of mirror neuron kind of feedback effect. I think that makes a lot of sense. That's a really a good way to put it. What ways would a negative attitude actually undermine your efforts apart from the ones we've had any other big ones that it might sabotage what you're trying to do with dating and relationships? I think that if you do meet some interesting women and if you have that negative attitude, it can often get drugged into the relationship too. Because even if you meet somebody who you feel, wow, this person's the exception to the rule. She understands me. She's a good person. She's not flaky. She's not a bitch. If you have that attitude, it's, you can't just drop it because you get the right girl in your life. It's kind of becomes a part of you sometimes. And it can actually end up sabotaging the relationship. If you don't trust her when she's out with her girlfriends or you she doesn't call on time or something, you might, you can wind up sabotaging things. Right. That as she's seen that with many guys over the years, uh, jealousy, basically treating the girl badly, like being negative towards her, could be angry at her for no reason. So if you're throwing that kind of stuff at her when you're with her, then it's going to obviously drive her away. She doesn't want to be onslaughted with this kind of thing. And it's often driven by your own fears or your negative attitude. Yeah, exactly. Another thing you say in, the, in your book is most of the time, a bad attitude isn't all that realistic. That was an interesting quote, I thought. Yeah, that comes actually from science. Um, 
Have you ever met somebody who's kind of made a bad statement about something or someone like the world is filled with horrible people or people are bad or something negative and you're like, wow, that's such a crappy attitude. And they say, I'm just being realistic. Yeah. Most of the time when people say that, they aren't being realistic. They're actually being negative, but they see it as realistic because that's how they see the world. If you see the world in a negative way, then of course that seems normal to you. If you're a guy and you see women in a negative way or dating in a negative way, to you, it is being realistic because that's what you see. But what you see isn't reality. It's what you choose to see. You're filtering. And people, if you have a belief system, you will automatically ignore things that conflict with that belief system. And you will automatically notice things that are consistent with that belief system. So that's why I say, if you have this negative attitude, you're not really being realistic. You're just being you. You're seeing what you want to see. Yeah, yeah. So that's the way they rationalize it, that they're being realistic. One of the things we emphasize on this show is getting closer to reality. Um, so I'm glad you brought that up, that some guys think they're getting, they are being with reality, but actually it could be just that they've had managed to have like five negative experiences and they need to have five more, which would balance that out and could be good. They were just unlucky basically, or maybe in the wrong place and they started off on the wrong foot and they managed to get that negative perspective of the world when actually it's a lot more even and balanced, as you say. Yeah. And I think that when you develop that, if you have those bad experiences, it's understandable that you would see the world that way and that you would have those filters. And sometimes to get rid of them, it can be a real fight. Yeah. One of the things we also say is like seeing is believing. It can be hard for many guys to get closer to reality because if they read something or they're reading a book, it's reading at the end of the day. And someone can say that life is all rosy and it's a lot better than you think it is. But until you've seen it or people have given you examples, or things like that. So one of the things we do on this show is we get people to come in who have maybe some extreme lifestyle sometimes, but they have a lifestyle which they can talk about and experiences to try and relate to guys. This is the way the world is. This is how it happens. And you kind of need to be more open to understanding how, how reality is. Yeah. And I think that sometimes when you do that, it's just a self-protective mechanism. When you've been burned a few times or you've been beaten down to say, okay, this is the way it is. I just need to deal with it. It's kind of comforting a little bit. To say, all right, the world is a negative place or women are a pain in the ass or dating does suck. If I just admit that and accept that, then I won't be disappointed anymore. So you kind of understand where that attitude might come from, but sometimes it winds up biting you in the ass. Right, right. Because it's often we get more hurt when things don't meet our expectation. We're not expecting someone to reject us. So when you tell yourself, oh, she's going to reject me anyway, it kind of cuts that. You have a pretty miserable life, but you don't have a miserable life and get really hurt all the time. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so as I understand it, you call these uh, complainer behaviors. Yes. Could you give us some other examples of complainers versus the other one is like problem solver. Could you give us some examples which would kind of separate those so that the guys listening could be like, oh, I kind of do that. Or which pool do I fall in? Right. So a complainer complains about problems um, in dating. Um, a problem solver recognizes that there are problems and even gets really upset about him sometimes, but he focuses on, okay, what am I going to do about this? He focuses on trying to find a solution to the problems. So an example might be if you have bad experiences online, online dating, you could say, oh God, I hate online dating. These women never respond. They're all flakes. It's stupid. It's a big waste of time. That's kind of being a complainer because you're not really solving anything. You're just venting. A problem solver would say, okay, 
this is really frustrating. I'm not getting any responses. What the hell is going on? And so you try to figure out what's happening. Is it his profile? Does his profile suck? Is his picture bad? Or is his email technique bad? Is he scaring women away with his profile? There are always ways to go, okay, what is going on here? Yeah, so, so that's like an analytical approach. It's like, what do I need to change? Because something is obviously wrong. And it's kind of nature versus nurture, right? It's like, this isn't just the way the world is. The way the world can be any way you want it to, but you've kind of got to understand how reality is and what works and what doesn't. It's fixing a puzzle. Yeah, and I think that this section of my book really tends to blow men's minds. They love it. Because what man doesn't want to be a problem solver? What man isn't a problem solver in his heart? Especially the types of guys I deal with, scientists, tinkerers, techies, engineers, they eat this stuff up because that's what they do all day long. It's like, okay, I can solve these problems at work, then I'm going to solve this problem too, even though it feels very nebulous. Dating and women, it's like, ooh, that's a problem I don't know if I can solve. But you can, and you wind up going down a road you never expected to. That's not a bad way to put it, actually, because I think most guys have jobs where they have to solve some kind of problems. That's what most work is about these days, solving some kind of problem. So it's a nice way to relate to that because it's not out of their comfort zone. It's already something they're doing in different contexts. Now we just have to bring that into your dating real life and you know use it to solve this puzzle too. Yeah. And it's not easy. I mean, this is something that people have to face every day. Like even me personally, every day I have to say, all right, if something upsets me, I'd say, stop complaining about it, move into problem solving mode. Every day, it's not something that comes automatically. You have to work on it. Some people are better at it than others, but you can definitely do it. It will change your life. Like you say, it's like a balance. It's a percentage. We're all going to be complainers some part of the time. When we get a couple of negative hits or whatever it is, it could be dating, it could be other areas. But if they line up, you're going to complain a little bit, but then it's just this reaction like, okay, got to get back into problem solving mode as quickly as possible. Yeah. That's great. Well, so there was a, the last couple of weeks, there's been a lot of uh, publicity around Elliot Roger. I'm, I'm assuming you saw that. Yes. Yeah. That's uh, really unfortunate. Yeah. And it was interesting and kind of graphic about it was that well, he had all the videos and he also had this manifesto that was put out there. When you watch the videos, you look at the manifesto, which is called My Twisted World. It's extremely, I'm bringing this up because it sounds to me extremely complainer orientated when you listen to that stuff from him. Extremely. Yes. Yeah, well, we're talking extreme here, obviously, because of what he ended up doing. Um, but I just felt it was uh, interesting to bring up because if people wanted to understand what is going completely the wrong way in terms of the attitude we're talking about, they could check out that video and maybe even read some of the My Twisted World manifesto. Yeah, it's a good example of complaining gone completely wrong. But it's too bad. I know that um, a lot of the men's communities have taken heat for that. And, you know, I, it's just blown everything up. It's gotten messy. Just because he posted in a few forums uh, doesn't mean that it's due to the forums that he was posting in that he would, you know, go and do this. Because obviously no one else is running around in those forums doing similar, with similar behaviors. It's unfortunate how the media publicizes and, and twists things, um, but that's their job. So <laughs> make it all interesting. So if we have this complainer attitude and we feel like we need to get more into problem solving mode, what kind of things could we do to start changing this? Well, um, there are a few things. I think one is just recognizing what's going on. You're like, okay, wait, when you feel stuck and angry and powerless, then that means you're in complaining mode. So just recognizing, all right, I'm in this mode. I need to jump into problem solving mode. It's already a step in the right direction. Then sometimes it helps to look at the things that have happened to you if they're negative and to try to come to terms with them. If you've been dumped or you've been hurt, sometimes it helps just to 
as cheesy as it sounds, grieve a little. Allow yourself to feel all those negative feelings and all those fears. You know, will I ever find the right person? Are girls ever going to like me? It's just feel them. They're just feelings. And if you let yourself feel them, they'll eventually kind of fade away. Then I think it helps to actually start problem solving. Start thinking about possible solutions about, okay, what direction can I go? What can I do? Who can I talk to? What information is out there that can help me? And start coming up with solutions for yourself um, about what you can do to help your bad attitude. Anyway, that's kind of a good start. So yeah, so the gist of it is to try and kick yourself into problem-solving mode. And so I guess a first step is if you start to study, if you start to read, that's already like 20% there because you've got this attitude of looking for new information to help you. I think that would help to put you into that perspective versus complaining all the time, provided what you're reading isn't like complaining itself because some dating advice out there can be a bit negative. So as long as what you're reading and you're studying is positive, then a lot of the products are and a lot of the courses are in the books and what have you. And it, they should be giving you kind of problem solving kind of that's normally what's inside these things. So I think what you read and what you see tends to influence you a bit. Another point on that is if you go to forums, I have seen in some forums, like we're just talking about internet forums here, people tend to be a little bit more negative. So it might be better if you see that kind of attitude, then it might be better to stay out of that forum. And this is a principle I have in general in my life for everything, like business forums, like health forums, anything I'm interested in. If I see a lot of negativity, I'm just like, okay, this isn't going to be much of a useful forum overall because I'll be absorbing as negativity all the time in these complaints. Yeah, negativity is the problem. That's such a huge problem. So yeah, if you see that kind of thing, I'd say run away. Just run away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's a good tip also. It's like in your environment, if you can control your environment a bit better, like do you have people around you which are complaining all the time? Are you part of a circle which complains and complains and complains? And worse, like you're in a circle where you're in a, with a bunch of guys who are complaining about women. That's definitely not going to help you. It's probably going to be a good idea to spend more time with people that have a more positive problem-solving attitude and are probably getting better, better results and success with this area of their lives. Yeah, and I think it's that saying, I, I forget who said it, but it's like they say, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Yeah, that's Jim Rohn. Yeah, it is Jim Rohn. Okay. I think that's a great saying. Yeah, if you're surrounded by that kind of thing, of course you're going to be kind of sucked into that. We are so influenced by the people around us. We like to think we're not, but we are. And that can be a big deal if you're looking to change your life and you love your friends, but they're kind of downers and they're not succeeding. It's like, ugh, now what do you do? And if you try to spend more time around people who have what you want and are getting what you want and are positive, it's like it can go a long way. Yeah, it'll rub off you even you don't know. You realize it at the time, but that will already be like a, a huge step. Yeah. It's not, not easy to do either, um, but it's definitely worthwhile. It's not easy to do. The, the other final thing would be is sometimes it helps to learn from your mistakes. Sometimes if you don't get the success you want, you can look at, all right, is there anything I could have done differently in that situation? Sometimes there's nothing you could have done. She didn't like you. She rejected you. She did something terrible. It's not your fault. Move on. But sometimes it's like, well, I probably could have been a little different in that situation or I could have handled it better or whatever. And you're like, all right, well, now I'll know for next time. Right. What I like about that is I think some of the habits guys will have and women have this also is that if you've had a bad breakup, you'll hide from it. You won't want to look at the emotions. You won't want to look at what happened. You might even give yourself more comfortable excuses as to why it happened rather than thinking about it more, trying to figure it out. So I think a lot of people will 
not look at that mistake, which is really a big mistake because you can learn a lot from your mistakes if you look at them properly and you take the time. And maybe it's uncomfortable and maybe it's not very happy and stuff. But if you think about it, you can probably learn something which will change all of your future relationships and your dating experiences. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes it takes a while, though. Like I found that in my life and even with other people I've known, that initial right after the, the breakup and the, or the, the negative thing happened, you know, sometimes you're just so filled with emotion. You just want to kind of deal with that. It's hard to see it straight. But once you've had a little distance from it, you look back and you're like, ah, I did. I could have done that better. Or I could have learned. I didn't see the signs or whatever. And, and that can be, it's gold. Mistakes. As much as they suck to do them, they teach us so much more than our successes. Yeah, if you really want to have a great dating life, you've basically got to have some mistakes along the way. Yeah. Because there's no way you're going to get better at this and more experienced and more skilled. And um, so mistakes are valuable, especially if you're young. You should be just really taking that up and learning from it because uh, it's going to transform your future. If you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. The iTunes rank of the show is critical for getting the best guests onto the show. Ranking is largely determined by subscriber count, so more subscribers means better guests. Also, if you've already subscribed, then please leave a rating and review. This also helps increase the iTunes rank. Help me make this podcast the best resource possible for you. To subscribe or rate with one click, go to datingskillsreview.com slash iTunes. One of the other interesting things I picked out from your book is the whole poor standards angle. Oh, yeah. You said that's behind a lot of men's dissatisfaction in dating. What does this mean for you, poor standards exactly? I think poor standards, for me, it's not, I mean, I talk about the two C's, chemistry and compatibility. It's when the standards you have to choose women are just not sufficient enough. um, and, And nine times out of 10, it's when there's really not adequate compatibility with a woman that you're pursuing. Men won't usually date a woman they don't feel chemistry with. They don't feel that, oh, I'm attracted to her. They're not going to bother. Sometimes, as long as that's there, they'll kind of ignore whether there's real true compatibility there. And that can be true in, in a short-term or a long-term gig. But if she's looking for a boyfriend and you're just looking for something more short-term, you're incompatible. It's over. When you don't have those standards for what you want, you know, what kind of relationship you want and what you want in the relationship, at least some basic standards, you're going to have a lot of difficult experiences. Right. So chemistry is, sounds very typical in terms of male behavior. Chemistry is like we look at the hot girl and we're like, oh, yeah, she looks hot. I'm really interested in her. And we don't really think about who she is or anything behind that image that we've seen. And compatibility is a lot more long term and values. What kind of things would you put into compatibility? There's so many things. One is, yeah, what kind of relationship are you looking for? Are you looking for something short-term or long-term? You want to be monogamous or non-monogamous? Things like that really matter. Things like um, your lifestyle. Are you kind of a stay-at-home-and-read sort of person, or you want to be out doing stuff all the time with other people? It's not that those people can't get along. It's just easier when you have someone who shares your lifestyle because you understand each other. Things like intellectual compatibility. Brainy people do better with other brainy people. Values. What matters to you most? Do you value having children and a family? Um, do you go to church? Are you um, religious? You know, what are your political beliefs? Those are some deeply held values. And you know, usually you want somebody who shares those with you, especially if you want to go long term. Short term relationships, you can kind of compromise on a few of those things and not worry about them as much. But those are the kind of things you want to look for. You want somebody who understands you and who gets along with you. 
So are we saying we want someone exactly like us? No, that's a great question because compatibility doesn't always mean the same. It means complementarity. You want somebody, like for instance, it's not uncommon to see somebody who's very outgoing with somebody who's a little quieter. Sometimes two really talkative people will clash. So a more talkative person does well with a quieter person who's better at listening. So you don't have to be just like the person. You just have to be compatible with them. You have to, you want to mesh with that person, even if you're different. And you'll know usually in the first few months of a relationship, how well you mesh with somebody. Right. Right. That's the thing. It does take a little bit of time. Obviously in the first few days, you're probably not going to get the compatibility because you have to learn a lot about that person. Yeah. Yeah. It takes quite a while. It takes months. What would you say the typical scenario is where guys mess this up? Um, the very typical scenario I see with guys is they focus too much on chemistry and not enough on compatibility. Physical attraction is an extremely powerful thing. We're all suckers for it. We've all been in relationships where there was that and not much else. <laughs> and they, they tend to be very short term or they just blow up and they don't work out. But I think with men in particular, a man can really be strongly attracted to a woman and know nothing about her. Women, on the other hand, not so much. I mean, it can happen, but usually she's got to get to know a guy to really feel strong attraction to him and strong chemistry with him. And so for guys, they're vulnerable to feeling chemistry with a woman and feeling such a, those powerful feelings. And that makes him so interested that sometimes he becomes blind to the fact that there are signs that they're really not very compatible. And that's where that's what can get them into trouble is investing in a relationship with a woman where there's just not enough compatibility. And again, this is assuming this is you want anything that's beyond a very short-term relationship. So coming back to what does this mean? Poor standards, what are they going to do? What's, what's that going to mean to your dating life? What kind of impact is that going to have on you if you have poor standards? It's going to mean meeting more of the wrong people and less of the right ones. So your standards, the women you attract in your life and the women you date reflect your standards. So if your standards are relatively low, you're just picking women because they're attractive to you or because they happen to like the same sports team you do. Your standards are really not high enough, assuming you want any kind of relationship. And what this is going to mean is more drama in your life or fighting, more failure, more breakups, more dumps. So some of it sounds to me like it's a learning curve of certainty about what you want as you get more detailed about what you understand. Is that what you mean? When you have higher standards, you know more clearly you have basically you kind of have more criteria in your head because you know what you're looking for in a girl and what works for you. Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be tons of criteria. It just has to be the right ones. And a lot of this just comes from experience. And again, making those mistakes, you know, you date somebody for a year, you break up and you're like, what the hell happened? And then you look back and you realize, oh yeah, we, we didn't share similar lifestyles or we didn't share similar values or we wanted different things for the future. Okay. Then now, you know, okay, those are the things that I'm going to look for in the next girl. And once you've been through this a few times, like some of us have, you learn about what's important to you, but what's really important to you, what you absolutely must have in a relationship. So standards, to some extent, it just comes from experience and not focusing too much on surface things. Like you want somebody you're attracted to, but it isn't just about how she looks. It's do you feel, how do you feel when you're with her, you know? Well, so we were circling back to learning from your experiences again and making sure to look at your past experiences and learn what was working for you. And one of the things I wanted to bring up is that I think a lot of people get their standards from elsewhere. They get it from their external environment and not necessarily from inside themselves, right? It could be our friends, could be the media, uh, could, be, could be movies, could be absolutely anywhere that we're getting these uh, standards, especially when we're young. We've probably got a whole bunch of standards which have been basically given to us and we've just taken them. 
So would you say that some of that's okay? Or do you think we have to do the work based on our experiences or other type of work to define our own standards? I think you always need to define your own standards. There's nothing wrong with, we're going to be influenced by the society we live in and the people we're around. But in most cases, what we're taught isn't usually what's best for us. If it is, then great, you lucked out. But most of the time, you have to learn it on your own. That's what I found in my experience and with my clients. You got to do your own work. You have to date different people and figure out what your formula is for what works for you and what does not. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a lot of self-work, basically, like self-development, self-work, understanding yourself, understanding what you need, paying attention, being observant about when you're happy, when you're dissatisfied, when you're really happy with a girl, why, what's she doing? Really being observant about how you're feeling and how things are going for you in a relationship or in dating in general. Yeah, and it sounds like a lot of work, but I think over time it becomes kind of natural. When you're not used to thinking like that, it's like, geez, that sounds like so much analysis and so much thinking. But once you become aware of these kinds of things, it becomes more natural. You date someone new, you look for the things that matter to you. If they're not there, you move on. If they are, great. And if that goes wrong, you're like, okay, now here's a new thing to consider. You move on. You'll automatically in the next relationship consider all those things because you've had those experiences, assuming you're aware, just about being aware. So one of the things I recommend personally to guys is that they get a bit of experience, especially when they're younger. If they haven't dated a number of girls, I just don't think there's any way that they could really understand what they actually like in a girl, in a relationship, or even like maybe what type of relationship they like. What do you think of that suggestion? I think it's a great suggestion. Yeah, especially in young people, because how on earth are they supposed to know what they want? All they have to go on is, am I attracted to that person? Is he or she cute, hot, whatever? That's a start. Once you start dating more and you and you go out with different people, like you said, things will start to occur to you about what matters to you. What do you think today's trends are in the biggest kind of trends? Because I know you cover a lot of stuff in your books. You've got six books now? I have five dating and relationships. So you've done quite a bit of work on this. And I know that you talk about different areas like online dating and so on. And you look at the trends a bit. What would you say that like the biggest trends are today, especially focusing on the things we've been talking about in terms of attitude and, and standards? I mean, is this moving in a positive direction? Is it a negative direction? Are there differences between online dating and offline and where you meet people and so on? Do you see anything that stands out, like let's say in the US, what's going on at the moment? If I had to pick one thing, it's the online thing. That is becoming a dominant way that people are meeting people. And there's a new dating site or a new app going up every day. And even though a lot of people find the entire process frustrating, they're getting tons and tons of users. And I think what it's basically done is allow people to meet people they would never normally meet. And when you work in an isolated environment around the same people every day and you live in the same neighborhood every day, you don't meet anybody. But unless you're very outgoing, you're not out meeting people every day. And so what online presence does is it opens up a huge world of possibilities. I think that it's blown up and I think it's going to continue to for a long time. Well, so I like that what you're saying is like there's more opportunities to meet people. It's more easier because it's easier rather uh, because of uh, the online dating. So easy to connect with people. So one of the things I was thinking of is that some observations I had while I was in the US that potentially people are doing more casual dating for longer. Um, because it's a lot easier to meet more people, especially for women, I imagine. Uh, although, you know, I know a lot of guys who are seeing lots of uh, women because it's very easy to connect with them on, on these uh, dating apps. I think it makes it harder for them to settle down and choose also. In a way, it's like uh, dating overload. Yeah. Uh, we talk about information overload. Well, maybe if you see too many people, you get a bit confused. I certainly went through this. I'd seen a lot of girls over time and it got to a point where I felt that maybe I wouldn't find anyone I was happy with because... 
I basically dated some party girls and some business girls and lots of different types of girls and different countries. There were things I loved in all of them, but no girl could meet the standard where you put all of the good things together. So you have to be this kind of realist at the end of the day and see how the world is again and come back down to the floor. So sometimes I think kind of dating overload if you date too much. And I think some of the girls do this just from my conversations with them in the US. They have a lot of criteria and maybe the more they do online dating could some cases lead to more dissatisfaction. It's like seeing like nothing's good enough and and they carry on with casual dating rather than getting serious. Any ideas on this? Yeah, lots. You said a lot of really great things. And um, I certainly agree with the fact that I know that there's a lot of beliefs that that U.S. women do have these kind of ridiculous standards and definitely not true for all of them. But I I know what you're saying and I see it a lot. And I think it's a very fear based mentality that makes women do that. But I think it's also when you have all these options, what I call it is the illusion of endless options. It's actually you don't really have that many options. It just feels like you do. When you're online or you're on Tinder or you're on these things, you see millions of guys or in the case of guys, millions of women, it's, it's very easy to think, God, there are all these things. And so what happens is that your quote unquote standards start rising. It's like, well, I have 10,000 men out there to choose from. Why not pick the, the tallest guy or the hottest guy or the hottest girl or the youngest girl or whatever? I call that. Yeah, I get into this pretty heavily in a different book. That sounds like it's raising standards being a good thing before, and it sounds like that's taking it too far. Yeah, because you're really not raising your standards. You're All you're really doing is just focusing on stupid things that don't matter that much. It feels like standards, but it really is, is just criteria. Yeah. So you're saying standards is really about focusing on the few things that are really important to you to make you happy. Yep, absolutely. You know, if anybody says, well, I got to have this height or this income or age or whatever, mm. those are really not great standards. In in broad sense, you have to have a certain age range, right? You know, you're not going to be dating people who are old enough to be your parent, but those are just criteria and they wind up tripping people up because they focus too much on that stuff. Real standards are about true compatibility. When people think they're really picky, they really don't have high standards. All they're really doing is just making things harder for themselves. Right. So picky is a good word. And it's basically focusing on details that don't matter that much. And so you've listed a few of them. It's like age, Income. Income. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Education, height. Everyone asks, I notice in the US, they ask you what school you come from and uh, and they do it in other countries as well because we're talking about the US, I'm saying the US. The school you went to, your job, one of the first few questions that come at you. I found it kind of overwhelming at first, like this focus on work where you're at the rear, like at the moment. Would you say that's a very important part of how people select these days? Like what kind of job do you have? What kind of status do you have, I guess? Yeah, that's what it boils down to is, is status. I think a job and an income indicate are indicators of status, although they're not a guarantee. But I think focusing on profession is something that's always been the case. And it's both good and bad. If you're focusing too much on it, it's like it's just a job. It doesn't say a lot about the person. But at the same time, it can be an interesting. When, you, when I ask somebody, what do you do for a living? It's really just my way of getting to know them. You can tell a lot about a person by their career choices. And it does kind of spark conversation. If a guy says he's an engineer, I'm going to get a different kind of knowledge about him than if he says he's a firefighter or he says he's a, um, he works in construction or he's a physicist. Those are all different kinds of people. And it's like, oh, how interesting. I want to know more about that person and what drew them to that, that field. But yes, there is a, a lot of that here. 
I feel like the whole part of it is trying not get yourself into some kind of box because it seems like there's these categories, right? And I think it's about being open-minded. Maybe right now the person in front of you isn't looking at it, being a little bit picky and they're not looking at it from an open-minded standpoint and they're not really focused on what's going to make them happy. So in a way, it's just all you have to do is get past this stage and then you'll get to see if you really are compatible with each other. But I think a lot of people today have these kind of criteria and they don't know that they're not going to be useful to them. In a way, your job is just to get past that. And I found, like me personally, I don't fit into a category, right? So as soon as I try to explain what I do, I kind of circumvent that whole process because they can't fit me in anywhere. Right. Yeah, you would be harder to classify than the average man because, yeah, you have a, an interesting career. Right. So what do you think of that kind of strategy? I mean, I know not giving a dry statement like I'm a lawyer, I'm a, an engineer, like you said, but giving something a little bit more interesting just to circumvent that kind of process. I think that's a good idea. If anything, it's more interesting because as much as people might focus on that stuff at first, what they really want to do is know who you are. Is this a person that I can feel a connection with? And if you, yeah, if you get creative or circumspect in, in your, your life's work or what you do, and it's not just a standard, I'm a lawyer, I'm a scientist, whatever, it's a way for them to know who you are rather than what you do. Yeah, yeah. Totally. And avoid the category game, <laughs> which is for me, the whole category, putting people in categories really quickly. Often you're shooting yourself in the foot because you can't do that for, in most type, places. Yeah. yeah. So one of the questions I like to ask everyone uh, towards the end of the podcast is um, who besides yourself would you recommend for high quality, actionable advice for men on dating, sex and relationships? Oh, gosh, I know I have some and they're, oh, no. Sorry, I'm able to come up with one off the top of my head. I've, Is there anyone you've learned from on your path, for instance, or, you know, you kind of respect that helped you in some way when you were learning and putting all of this stuff together yourself? Because we've all had to climb the mountain. Sure. Yeah. There are a lot of people. If you want a male, you know who I would say? <laughs> God. Oh, it could be a girl or a guy. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying that's been helping men. Probably not someone focused on women all the time. Right. Yeah. Um, John Gray, the Mars Venus guy. And I'm really not a huge fan of the whole Mars, Venus, and men are so different from women's. <laughs> kind of drives me nuts, actually. But yeah. I have to say that I learned so much from that dude. And I've read multiples of his books. And there's something, he's really insightful into understanding people. And, um, and even though some of his stuff, I think, is over-exaggerated, over I think he's really good. And I learned a lot from him about men and women and about people. And I, um, I have a great respect for some of his stuff and he did influence me. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. I got driven away by that whole Mars and Venus stuff as well. One of my girlfriends about 15 years ago, she got one of those books and yeah, it was just like annoying. <laughs> like to me said, you're from this planet and I'm from here and this is why we don't get along sometimes. And yeah. It's cheesy. It's cheesy as hell. I yeah. hated that stuff and I refused to read it for years and years and years. And finally, I think I got to a certain stage in my life and then a certain stage in my life as a dating expert. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, this is interesting. In a world where there's a lot of very kind of canned dating advice, his stuff goes deep. And that's kind of what I liked about it is he was able, he was probing things on a deeper level than other people were, even though I didn't agree with everything he said. Yeah. Well, it's good. And it comes back to our point of being open-minded. Thanks for the recommendation because now you've given me a bit more motivation to actually read one of his books sometime, <laughs> um, which I've been resisting for many, many years, although I'm in this area. Who would you pick if you don't mind me asking? Like if a man, like who would be on top of your list? This is actually uh, really complex. So what I would say is our job at Dating Skills Review is basically to look everywhere and find out what's the best. And what we find out is that normally it's someone who specialized in a specific area. Like, so you'll notice I've been asking you 
about specific subjects that I found interesting. I pulled those out of your book because they're a bit more unique. So this is what we kind of do. So to have a general, like, who is the most, someone like my top rep- recommendation, that's really difficult for me to do because like, it depends what you want. And I'm sure you understand that this whole world is like, it depends what you want as well. Like the guys listening on the other end, what kind of lifestyle, dating lifestyle do they want? Do they want to meet hundreds of women and date hundreds of women all the time? Well, you're probably not going to get a lot of good advice from a guy who's been in the 40 year awesome relationship. But he's made this amazing connection with this woman and he's learned a lot from that and he's been extremely happy that whole time with her. Whereas that guy, I'm sure he can teach you a few things about having good relationships. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah. I'm curious and, and we can talk about it after if you want, but I'm curious who in the BUA genre um, do you find most appealing or most intelligent or most useful? Sure. Yeah, well, you can basically look at our recommendations on our site. So some of the guys uh, like Bobby Rio has got some good courses on conversation because a lot of guys, they have difficulty with making conversation. They get nervous. They don't know what to say. So conversation is one of the big areas, like how to talk to women, how to stop running out of things to say. So he's got some great advice. Another guy who's got, um, we like practical stuff. So that's kind of the emphasis I'm putting on here. And there's a guy called Jason Capital. He has a lot of practical, like how to attract women kind of stuff. We find it easier for guys to learn. And that's mainly why we think those guys are better. Because there's guys out there who are more complicated and have done crazy complex stuff. I think if you know Eric von Markovic, Mystery. Yeah, I've read his book. Yeah, yeah. So he's a very detailed, very complex guy. And he's obviously had a lot of success with women. However, it's an approach to it, which is very difficult to learn for a guy who's, he's just come into all of this and he's like, okay, how do I start talking to women? We're talking overwhelmed city. And I feel that that will probably going to drive, that's going to drive you backwards and make you feel bad. And and some people get stuck in a rut because of it and they stay overwhelmed. I can see that. Yeah, that's what I liked about it, that it was so complex, but I could see where it would be completely yeah. I mean, personally, I learned tons, tons from mystery back in the day. I've been doing this since 2000, 2001. And uh, around about then, he was one of the only guys teaching stuff. So I learned mountains from him. I got a lot of respect for the guy. I'm just saying that this overwhelm factor can get in the way of him helping uh, some people. Depends where they're at and what they want, of course. So uh, the other thing is, this is the last question. And this is what we ask everyone since the beginning of time. What would be your top three recommendations to help men get better results with women as fast as possible? Okay. Uh, number one, um, be a problem solver. And that's something you can choose to do right now, today. You may not know what the solutions are or where to find them, but at least if you know that you can start looking for them, you're already stepping in the right direction. Um, second thing is, is be patient with yourself. It's okay to make mistakes. You learn a lot. You learn more from your mistakes than you do from your successes. Don't beat yourself up for failure. Third thing is know what you want out of a relationship. Do you want something short-term? Do you want something long-term? Are you looking for, I asked Mindy, you want one of four things. You want just sex? You want casual dating? A girlfriend or a wife? Know what you want. If you do, it makes your life so much easier because you'll attract that to you and you won't waste your time on the wrong women. Right, right. Yeah, the worst situation is if you put yourself with a girl who wants something different to you. You want something serious, you want something casual, that's going to be heartbreak all over it. It is. It's terrible. Or the other situation where she's going to cause a lot of drama for you and you're not going to feel good about it if she wants a relationship and you want a casual thing. So Yeah, yeah. And that's very tempting because it's like, oh, she's there, but you're hurting her and you're hurting yourself because you're not really getting what you want either. Yeah, I went through all of that stage and learned the hard way. So Christy, it's been great having you on the show today. Thank you very much for offering your perspective, which is, uh, it's great to have a woman on the show. We haven't had that many. We're going to get more. I really feel this is going to be very helpful for the guys. 
Oh, well, thanks so much for having me. I've had a great time talking to you. Take control of your dating life today. Take one idea or one insight from today's episode and apply it today. Don't wait. Do it today. That's all it takes to change your life, step by step, episode by episode. Learn more about what I, Angel Donovan, and my team do at DatingSkillsReview.com. How we help men like you take control of their dating lives.